Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish Studios, located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Films Narcitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 588 The Maltese Falcon 2 The Blackbird. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. With, oh. There's some things that just you feel dirty for saying, like The Maltese oh. Falcon 2. Like that's one of them. No, you should. Yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby too is just about <laughs> up there. Yeah, this was not as bad. Yeah, I mean, if we're judging the two, this is not as bad. If you're going to compare, I might say you're accurate, but in the <laughs> scheme of things, <laughs> oh no, totally. Overall, terrible movie. I yeah. still wish I didn't know this movie existed. <laughs> you're welcome. So let's uh, let's go around the virtual table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts. You can go there, rate, review, subscribe. Be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And uh, I forgot last time to rattle off the League of Show Sharers, so we will do that here. People who were kind enough to share the episode last week, Brad Hyen, Chris Valls, Lane LeVanway, Travis Tewitt, Glenn Cougar Mellenbrewer, Griffin Foxsmith, Julianne Jordan, Ron Johnson, Gabriel Lugo, Ralph Tribble, Chris Sanders, Chris Williams, Carl Clarkson, and Chris Magicman. So thank you very much. And of course, and a very happy birthday to Brad Hyen. Never heard of him. No, he's true. Uh, okay, is he, yeah. is he a Sorry. show share? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Carry on. Should we know who that is? <laughs> and uh, also, don't forget our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Real Spoilers. Five bucks a month, all sorts of bonus content, and uh, and you help out, and we like you just a little bit more. So yeah. there's all that. I believe we before we get into the movie, Joe wanted to talk about Michael Keaton. I mean, he's coming back. As Batman, Mr. Mom, too. This is uh, I, I, Mr. Grandmom. Yeah, Mr. Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. I am shocked. DC is trying everything they possibly can to write their universe. This makes sense, though. Like uh, out of everything they've done, you've got the if if you want to reset, you know the the advantage that they the DC has is they embrace their multiverse. I know Spider Verse, the whole thing. But their movies don't talk about alternate realities. 
well, they're going to. But that's a new, this this is a brand new development. The only reason DC's embracing their multiverse is because they screwed up big that's time. Not, that's not always, that's not completely true. What other movies embrace the multiverse before they just started doing Ezra, this Ezra Miller's Flash shows up on the Flash TV show. Which, tell me when that aired. What date did that air? That's like six uh, months ago. The crisis, whatever the like crisis three was. three months ago? That's what I'm saying. They just started oh, I, doing I this. Oh, I see, I see. They, that is a brand new thing to course correct. They're terrible attempt mm-hmm. at a cinematic universe. That's all I'm but saying. They never. It's not like DC's been embracing that Michael Keaton's Batman showed up in Batman <laughs> Forever because he was a part of a different universe. Like, no, this is a brand new development. Yes. and <laughs> But it, it, it does make sense, though, right? Like, if that's... Sure, in a good movie. Hopefully it's and good. We'll wait. We'll wait. And see. I mean, they've got all kinds of time to get it right at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know? Keaton's Batman, I think. I mean, we we grew up with him. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go on Patreon, there's a Batman 89 episode. So you can go check that out as one of the bonus features. Uh, he's the definitive Batman to me. I love Keaton as Batman. I, I, I think his Batman is one of the most intimidating uh, next to Affleck's. I think Affleck, mm-hmm. because of his size, uh, the way he carried himself, I do think he is probably the scariest. Like, if you saw Affleck's Batman, He's the most crap, comic, accurate Batman. But you'd crap your pants if someone the size of Affleck in a bat <laughs> suit. You know. But other than that, like, that first scene where you see Batman in Batman 89 is mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, and so, but Michael Keaton, to me, that's the definitive Batman. And if you're telling me you're going to bring him back as old man Bruce, fine. Like, that's great. But they have to get this thing on track because they yeah. screwed up their universe so much. And, you know, they're going to reboot this. They're not going to reboot. They're going to do the this Suicide This isn't part squad. of the universe. This is going to be yeah, part of this universe. So, Batman's going to be his own thing. Let's get it on course. What they need to do here 20 years later, I don't know, whatever, 20, <laughs> seven, seven years later, what they need to do is they need to start like Marvel did. They need to clean the slate and do single movies. You know, Aquaman yep. 2, Shazam 2. Get them back on track. Man of Steel 2 maybe might happen someday. Uh, get, I mean, get, he's back. He, get, he's, get your you movies know. on the right track, right? Make good movies. And then when you have good movies that everybody loves, then pull them together for your Justice League. Right. It's almost like they had a plan the whole time. It's almost and like them they... being Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's what I would do. He's your Nick Fury. Oh, yeah. Old Man Bruce is calling Old Man Bruce together. is yeah. your Nick Fury bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And he, you can have him. You can have Terry McGinnis. As your mm-hmm. bat character, you can have Barbara Gordon or you can have Dick Grayson. Like yeah. you have three options to have like your bat character where Bruce old man Bruce is your Nick Fury putting things working behind the scenes, putting things together. I'm a and Bruce then, Wayne as Batman guy, but if you're telling me you're gonna get Michael Keaton as Batman, I'll take Terry McGinnis all day long. If yeah. we can have both of them, we can have Bruce Wayne Keaton. I think and, you need, I, yeah. I think it needs to be Barbara Gordon. That's oh, what well, I that's you what have I, both of them, right? I mean, like a young Barbara Gordon. Yeah, if they're gonna Bruce's 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 training Barbara. If they're gonna bring back Michael Keaton, they should have been. They should just make the Dark Knight. Everything else, it's is totally a waste of time. And and yeah, I like. I mean, I hope this movie's good. Uh, but all I can think about when I when everybody's all excited about Michael Keaton returning to the role of Batman is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Oh Skull. man. That's oh, everybody. We were all excited about that too. <laughs> no. I yeah, totally. That's, it, that's what I'm. That's what. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It has to be good. It's not enough to cast Keaton as Batman on paper. That sounds cool, but it's got to be the right movie. And so I really hope they course correct this soon, or else they've got to like they're trying their best not to reboot this for whatever reason, right? Like they're trying to stick with this because they've got Shazam. So, but but Aquaman, if they're doing if they're doing Wonder Flashpoint. Woman, 
that's a reboot. But it's not. That's a, it, that's a soft reboot. It, it, oh, that's fair. That's what fair. I'm saying is that they should have cleaned house when they got Pattinson's Batman. That's a new, you know, a new set of movies. Like right. work him in, but then they'd have to get rid of Aquaman and Wonder Woman. So they're doing their damnedest to do this multiverse thing, so you can keep the ones that worked and the, and get rid of the ones that don't. And that's fine, but it has to be good. If this ends up sucking, they need to just scrap it and start over and have Pattinson's be the like the first one and then when you make some good batman movies make some good superman movies then give us the justice league like we got avengers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got to introduce all those characters singly yeah Sing- singly yeah it works uh and then you can <laughs> you know i mean it's that's what they did individually I believe. individually that's a much better word <laughs> yes uh but if you want to do the dark knight cast john ham yeah the thing that's is that's your that that's your superman in the dark knight he's still I, he's too young i don't know that's the whole superman's supposed to be young he always looks young. He's, he had he had gray hair in Dark Knight, didn't he? Nope. He doesn't age like he doesn't like age the quite though, the same. So. Yeah, yeah. I think you no, get away. That, you that, can age Remember, him remember up that a scene, bit. Tom, where he's where like the, the he's uh, wearing like the like the riding pants and the uh, like the button down shirt that's some reason unbuttoned all the way to his navel, <laughs> like with the with the eagle on his arm. He looks he looks exactly the same because he doesn't because he, he doesn't age. Yeah, Kingdom Come he's old, but yeah. Kingdom Come he has the he has the gray. Okay, hair. I thought yeah. he yeah, I thought he was still looking old. I mean, I know that he's not going to age the same way as a as a person, but okay, it's been a while since. God, I read you know, it. I yeah, I I'd buy that though. Give give us the Dark Knight, and I mean, uh, well, the they Dark did Knight they Returns. did once. <laughs> I well, give us a live action Dark Knight Returns. They Keaton, did. Keaton is old man Bruce. Despite what says, but despite what Snyder said, he may he tried to make his version of the Dark Knight Returns. I mean, it's all it's all in, in BVS. Well, down to the, down I, to the suit and the final fight and the way well, the, sure, the final with fight the, goes, the armored exactly suit and the, the same. Batman. But it's but it's not that same. It's not old man Bruce though. No, that's true. That's what I'm saying. Make a live version of that, and I think that would really work. But yeah, it's we'll just have to wait and see. I, I mean, I love DC. I'm a Batman guy. I'm excited for the Pattinson stuff, but I'm really not excited about continuing this universe yet they they've this is their last attempt if they screw this up and they don't reboot it properly the softer reboot then they they got to just scrap this thing because it's not working you know uh nolan's batman was really good and they never did the whole tried to milk it for all the justice league and all this stuff um pat i'm matt reeves is great i'm guessing I'm thinking the Batman's going to be really good, and this is their chance to get a really good auteur to make a Batman movie. And maybe, of course, they're going to do this with the intention of setting it up for the universe. And I think you just have to like use the Pattinson Batman as the reboot, like use that as the groundwork, uh, kind of like Iron Man, right? Pattinson Batman's Iron Man, and then build on that. But doesn't look like that's going to be the case. That uh, you know that that's good. Joker's by itself, which I guess we're getting a second one of those. For whatever well, reason, talk about well, misbegotten sequels. Well, I don't uh, know. And then Pattinson's Batman's going to be by itself. Like it's just there's no, there's no continuity. I I get wanting to do. We talked about this very early on. Is like you can get to the Elseworlds, but you got to earn it. And they have done nothing to earn the Elseworld stories yet. Well, we'll we'll have to see. Speaking of Nolan, uh, unsurprisingly, (laughs) Tenet, that was just delayed two weeks in July, is now moved to August. What do they they think? Surprise, We just had nine, Florida just had a record-setting nine 
thousand new cases. Yeah, New York is basically shut down. California is mandating masks being worn. Florida has over nine thousand positive cases in a day. Like, what are they doing trying to open theaters? Stop putting dates on it and say to be decided. I have a theory on this, and this is really frustrating. So, theaters are in jeopardy. Right. Like theaters sure. oh, may, never, may never open again. AMC, the biggest theater chain, they're double the number two theater chain. Regal's number two. AMC has doubled the theaters. They may go out of business. So theaters are scared to death. And of course, it's really bad for all the people that own them and work at them, all that stuff. So if tenant is going to come on theaters, if WB is going to go to the only in theaters route for that, for Wonder Woman, what do they need, Joe? People to go. No, before that. Oh, they need theaters. They need theaters, right? Yeah. And so what's really frustrating is that I think WB is stringing everyone along so that theaters open back up and they have a place to show it. They're putting everybody at jeopardy. They're exposing them all to coronavirus. They're doing all this crap. And then they're just going to keep pushing the date back because if they were like, oh, we don't know if it will when it will open up theaters would be like well what are we going to show right so all these theaters have now been bait and switched they've all said oh well we got to get open for tenants so we'll start playing jurassic park and we'll start playing some disney stuff like they're did they they, they release re-release empire um i heard disney was making a lot of stuff available for theatrical licensing okay but the point is like they were only doing that to ramp up for tenant and for eventually mulan a couple weeks later but they're pushing it and i think they know they're pushing it they're dragging it as long as they can and they're pushing it two weeks at a time but it's not gonna happen and i think it's really frustrating because now theaters especially for independent chains they're opening back up sure they're hiring staff they're having to pay for all these supplies they're paying all this insurance and you know all new renovations too all that stuff right and then they're going to open up with nothing to show and then they're going to lose more money they're going to close again and i think it's really um I just think it's really wrong of WB to string people along like this. Things are not good enough to open two weeks later. Where I, I would put money on it that this date that they set in August for tenant, it's not going to happen. Get real. It's not happening. No. They're going to push it again. No. So mark yeah. my words and, and, and see what happens to all these theaters that opened up to show uh, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. There's only so many of those classic movies, but the majority of audiences like me included are going to go, I can watch that at home. I'm not going to expose my family to coronavirus to watch a movie. I can watch at no, home. It's, it's insane. It's insane to me that people are just like, no, I'm going to the theater. Like I it's, I just want to be like, have you have, you obviously have not lived through this. Yeah. Like this is not a joke. Like this is not it. Just because you want to go to the theater. The bottom line is, is your, I mean, the chances of you getting COVID like you're going if you're out in public without a mask sitting in these seats that I guarantee you are not sanitized the right way there's no way are you going <laughs> to tell me this 17 year old kid is going to sanitize the seat the right way i know the I'm video saying. of the guy spraying it with like a a bug sprayer from the 1950s <laughs> no that's <laughs> not fun. what they're spraying them with those are desanitized those are sanitation foggers like that's a real thing but yeah. but i still no i know i know I, but i'm but, saying like but it's I still yeah like it's just it's not worth it like and I I think anybody that's going is someone that hasn't been affected directly until they are they refuse to believe that it could happen to them you know right as soon as you have a family member that gets it and especially and God forbid one of them that dies you're you're not gonna believe it and then you are and then what are you gonna say what's your excuse gonna be you know like everyone Ooh. told you and is it worth going to see 
you know, Forrest Gump on the big screen that you could watch at home when, you know, to expose everyone. It's just, it's, it's asinine. So I'm very frustrated. Could you, could you do an IMAX screening in a drive-in? Is that even possible? Like the size of an IMAX screen, could you do like every time? All these pictures I'm seeing of drive-ins are like smaller screens. Well, yeah, because they're they're older. They all those drive-ins were built before the advent of that. So you'd have to literally build, install an entirely new system. Plus, part of IMAX is about the sound too, right? It's not just the uh, right. That's true. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just wondering. Like I was thinking, you could. I mean, if you want to, if if you had some money to to burn, some you know rich person. And you wanted to make like a massive drive-in screen. I was like, that'd be kind of cool. Like I was thinking the other day, I was like, that'd be kind of cool to see Tenant or something like that yeah. on a massive screen outside. Yeah, they had the right idea with drive-ins. I think that's really smart. I think that it's a it's a business that can pop up, and maybe even these theaters. I mean, if they can, if they're able to, they can uh, invest in somehow either hiring someone or putting together a drive-in type thing. Uh, they can even use their parking lots and set up a temporary screen or something. I, I think drive-ins the way to go because you're all isolated to your vehicle. But uh, this idea of opening theaters up with nothing to show now Mulan is at the end of August, Tenants at the middle of August, so we're at the end of June here. That's a month and a half. What on earth are theaters going to be doing to stay in business? Like, I, they, they're they not going to get enough people to the theater watching old movies to to make that profitable. There's no way. No. There's no, no way. There's no way. No way. So it's it's silly. So anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll continue to monitor the situation. But, I yeah, it's... it's a, I, think, I think it's really irresponsible. And, and just on a, to put this... I want to address something with Nolan that I saw on Twitter. Someone did a thread, and I don't think it got that much attention, but they were kind of bagging on Nolan, and I can't say that I disagree. Nolan's a great filmmaker, obviously. He's he's an amazing director. His films are great, but it's really irresponsible of him to be pushing this, you have to see it in theaters thing, and I'm going to save theaters, and I'm going to get you back to theaters, because you're putting a movie above human lives. Like he's endangering every worker at the theater, every patron of the theater. And it's, I think it's, it's really crappy of him to, to like be pushing so hard for this when the dude could just do, do what freaking Vin Diesel does, you know, credit where credit's due fast and furious said, Oh, we're going to delay it a year. Right. And then we don't have to think about it. We don't have to hear about it again. And Christopher Nolan is doing this. Oh, it's going to be in theaters only in theaters. And, drags it on it's it's crappy man and i just i don't agree with it i get that he wants his picture to be seen in the theater but but the the reality of the situation is it still probably won't be even if they do release it in two weeks because most people are gonna take a pass yeah it, at what yeah. cost right yeah yeah what like what's the what's the point i guess let's let's uh let's circle back to the film of the week we killed enough time because there ain't a lot to talk about with the black no. bird. So uh um when we're picking these sequels, uh <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I I guess when it's, Tom's picking these I sequels. Was say, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like yeah, I'm for the it, record, I said we should do Psycho and Psycho Two. And we will, but we just did a horror movie. So like I'm, <laughs> I know, like I, I think we'll we'll get to those at some point. Uh but uh I just didn't want to do horror movies. We did like, Gremlins as well. We've been yeah. in the horror arena a little bit. Yeah. So um so uh but I, I, you know, I look for something that has real connective tissue. Like I wouldn't want to do like there's like a war game sequel, but it it has nothing to do with the original, right? Like it's it 
it has none of the actors, none of the writers. I don't even know if it has any of the same characters, you know. And so um, I think we should do the computer? computer War Tennis Shoes trilogy. <laughs> I just watched all those on Disney Plus with the young Kurt Russell, and it is hilarious oh, yeah. to see him in that role. Like, oh, it's it's uh, it's funny. But uh, Cesar Romero's in those movies, and I love Cesar Romero, so that was a hoot. <laughs> So this movie you've probably never heard of. It's called The Blackbird. It's from 1975. But uh, it it follows Sam Spade Jr. And God. you you get two Ooh-wee. you get Ooh-wee. two two of the actors uh, rep- reprising their roles from the original Maltese Falcon. So you you get Lee Patrick who played uh, Sam Spade's secretary, and you get Elijah Cook who played Wilmer, and uh, and so like there is some real connection to the original film here so i i felt yeah, like and, and that's about it you just listed it <laughs> yeah that is about it so uh this movie is so bad it's never been re- <laughs> not only is it not available anywhere on streaming legally uh it's never even been released on dvd no this is a movie where if you want to watch it you have to watch a vhs rip on which on did, which is what we did two weeks ago yeah and uh so so if you want to watch this movie or watch at least enough of it to get the feel for what we're talking about it is available on youtube uh my guess is it will never be taken down because nobody cares no one person that youtube link i noticed it, it it's like it's in spanish but the movie is in english so don't let that throw you off yes. yeah because yes. when i when i was selecting this i i steered away from this movie for a little bit because i didn't click through on the link i just assumed it was in spanish because because mm. uh, so many of these movies that end up as bootlegs on a on YouTube are in a foreign language. So um, there's a there's a splash. Oh, we've been lucky enough that both of the ones that we had to watch were in English. You're welcome. Uh, Hooray! But like, there's a there's a, a a sequel to Splash called Splash Two, and it's enti- it's on YouTube, but it's entirely dubbed into French. I have no idea why. So um, so weird. It's an English movie, but it's dubbed in French. Yeah, it was made by ABC for <laughs> like I think it was part of the Wonderful World of Disney in like the like the mid eighties. So. Um, so someone uploaded the dub from France. <laughs> yeah, got, I I have no idea. <laughs> so if you want to watch this movie, which you don't, it's on VHS and YouTube, and uh, just listen to this episode. Yeah, we'll take care of it for you. <laughs> Some background on this movie. A producer by the name of Ray Stark uh, at this point in time had the rights to the Maltese Falcon. I'm not entirely sure how that works, because you would think Warner Brothers would have had the rights to the Maltese Falcon. I, I, don't, I don't understand how they fall into the hands of somebody else. Yeah. Ah, I, don't, I don't know. That was, maybe he's got a, like a producing credit. I mean, John Peters had the rights Superman for a long time. Yeah. And that, like Warner Brothers couldn't make a movie without John Peters okaying it. And this Ray Stark guy was really good friends with John Huston. So maybe somehow John Huston had him and he, and he sold him to Ray Stark for a little while. But Ray Stark is a legit producer. Like, I mean, he worked on... West Side Story and The Goodbye Girl, Annie, Steel Magnolias, Night of the Iguana, Funny Girl. Um, uh, he made 11 movies in conjunction with Neil Simon. So this this dude's the real deal. And he hired uh, David Geiler to uh, mm-hmm. write the screenplay, who you might know from Alien, right? And I think Don Mankiewicz was in here too, and he was a script doctor on Superman. Okay. Mm. He, was, he, was, he worked with Richard Donner. 
a well, bunch. Well, he, he the, the punch ups on Superman. So I guess he was originally gonna gonna work on this together with uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, John Milius Milius, who oh, who okay. uh, was the screenwriter for Apocalypse Now and worked on the first two Dirty Harry movies. So like, give me that movie. That movie. Sounds like it could have been amazing, <laughs> yeah. but for whatever reason, they did not gel, and so then Geiler uh, decided to turn it, the project into a comedy, and that's oh. how we got what we got. I have to ask you guys, has any other film sequel completely changed the genre of movie like this one does? I can't remember another movie that's this jarring of a transition. Uh, no. Well, I will say I, 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 Gr- Gremlins 2 is a pretty radical shift. Oh, that's uh, true. But it's still way more in the same. It, it's it's closer <laughs> to the same vein. I, I grant you, but it but it is a shift, you know. But but this but this movie does something different though. It doesn't only go from film noir to comedy. It goes from film noir to satire. I usually. Oh, say, you think this is satire? I was I like, this is, is this like satire? Yuck, yucks. I just. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like this movie is almost. Like it's so bad, it almost seems like it's 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 making fun. I don't know. Maybe it didn't try, but it's so terrible. Like when I think satire, I think of movies like uh, the Zucker Abrams movies, all those you know, the uh, Police Academy, that kind of stuff. Because the jokes in this movie are more in that vein. Like there's stuff that makes no sense that don't totally fit with the movie they're making, but they're like just interjected there for the weird joke. I don't know. Yeah. It's really strange. It's it, strange. Yep. That's a good way to put it. It's a mess. Yeah. You know, I th- and like, don't get me wrong. There are some funny, like I found myself laughing at some of the jokes, but Oh man, it is. Th- this is a bonkers movie. I don't <laughs> The only positive this movie and it's a horrible movie and a horrible script but uh george siegel plays the main character and he's the grandpa in the goldbergs oh he's also the dad from just shoot me yeah i mean he's he's great and it's really fun to see him um, he was also in who's afraid of virginia wolf one of the great yeah. films of all time uh he's he's like the other couple that comes right to dinner. yeah he's the he's the young the student couple that yeah, gets yeah subjected to all their craziness you know speaking of movies uh sequels that switch that switch genres and it's not as radical of a shift, but alien goes from a horror movie to a straight up action movie. That's a good point. Terminator um, two. Yeah. And, okay. and then, <laughs> and then first blood to Rambo first blood is honestly kind of a, a dramatic think piece about Vietnam vets. And then, and then first blood is just a Rambo is just, Again, an, an out action, action movie. movie. Yeah, but so why does it doesn't feel the same though? The, the film noir to comedy doesn't yeah. feel the same as Rambo, which had shooting and action in it, but it was more trying to say something to straight up action. But like, no, this this shift is bad. <laughs> this movie, I mean, like the the Maltese Falcon is a serious movie. It's a right, it's a great film. It's a classic, and it's a film noir, and it's a detective story. This movie. I, is bad comedy. <laughs> I feel like they're. I feel like they must have gotten fairly deep into a pass on this movie as a a, a more le- legitimate sequel to the Maltese Falcon because um there are some scenes that scene with Wilmer if if the actors in the in the in the club yeah in the club. If yeah. if that scene had been played as a hard boiled detective scene without changing a line of dialogue, 
I think it would work. I think it would fit into a movie like the Maltese Falcon. But instead, um, because they know at this point they're making a comedy, their their performances are different. And so it plays it more for laughs. Kind of going back to what we said in the last episode about how there's comedy in the Maltese Falcon, but they don't really play it for laughs. That scene with Wilmer, I really feel like you could reshoot that scene and not play it for laughs, and it would work. Yeah. Because Siegel has some pretty good Bogart-esque lines, except he he does them as, as yuck-yucks instead of as, as witty repartee. You know what I'm saying? So True. So when you approach this movie and you look at the cover, let's talk about the differences. So <laughs> it's so, so yeah. different. The cover of the Maltese Falcon looks like is, a Casablanca poster. It's one of those classic posters, sure. beautifully yeah. drawn, laid out. Uh, it says the Maltese Falcon. You go over to the cover of <laughs> the Blackbird, and it is like a comedy. It looks like Police Academy or Rat it is. Race it or looks something. like the Muppets movie. It, it looks is, like the Muppets. It is classic seventies wacky comedy. Like wacky. this is this is every movie that like silly comedy that i saw advertised as a child i mean this is what the poster for the billion dollar hobo look like yeah. i mean if they <laughs> and, and it's so at the top of the like poster that. it says why is everyone after george siegel's bird and then it says because he's sam spade jr and his falcon's worth a fortune and it has the little logo the black bird it's a falcon funny movie like what the this is a sequel to the maltese falcon <laughs> mother effers like what are yeah. you doing <laughs> it's it, it's so weird the poster for this movie in that you would think as a, you know, trying to cash in on the success of it might of, say Maltese Falcon on it, right? And it's it's a you get George Siegel's name bigger than you get Maltese Falcon. Like, oh yeah, the title yeah, his name is, is in the tagline. It, yeah, it's yeah. yeah the actor's name. It's not they're advertising <laughs> the actor, and and uh, no, Tom, it's a Falcon funny movie. What the Falcon does that even mean? <laughs> I think they were trying to play on the F word. Like it's it's Falcon funny. Well, I know, like, but it's like, come on, it's a, yeah. it's a sequel to the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's it's sad. So you know, but the, the it's pretty bad. So the whole thing starts off with you know, like this heart, like the intro. You think it can work, right? He's walking down the streets of San Francisco. The, the uh, best, he's like you know, the best part of he's not in San Francisco. The best well, part of this entire movie is the. The recreation of the original opening credits from from the Maltese Falcon, right? <laughs> like when it just <laughs> is that static shot of the bird, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, I'm like, oh, they got the same font. I'm like, oh, I like this the same right? color scheme. And then the but movie then, starts, and no, but it starts off, and you think, okay, the guy, hard boiled detective, is walking down the street, or you know, he's like, you know, I'm Sam Spade, but Sam Spade Junior. It's my old man, whatever. You're setting it up, like, okay, this could be a more modern noir. And then it becomes a racist movie. The first joke, the first joke where he's the, the it's uh you know they they he's walking up on a dead body and the guy's like, "Oh, the last thing he said." They think again, they immediately think it's Sam Spade Jr. that killed this guy. I guess uh, yeah. because the guy's like, "Oh, he said it's 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 big and black and as long as your arm." He's like, well, that rules me out. But before that, when he's walking down the street, he walks past a bunch of black guys and they're all like there goes there. It's they start doing all the spade jokes, and they like, and yes. they, they do this. There is a lot, and they they keep going back to this joke. I'm like, it that wasn't the funny. Most, huh? That is the most frequent joke in this movie is that his last name is Spade and he's not black. Like, how overtly racist is that? Yeah, they. And I they, don't think it's overtly racist. I think it's just 
Do you know I mean, what overtly uh, racist? Yeah, is? overtly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I just I, because I don't. I do. Yes, <laughs> but I also think like it's just it's insane to me that they keep they they quadrupled down on that joke, and I'm like this. Was this on TV or was this to theaters? theaters? This was to theaters. This is a theatrically released film. Ooh, buddy. Yeah. But I mean, I, the, yep. that's the right. thing. They don't try to hide it. Like, th- this is like mid 70s, just, you know, racist, just racism. Jokes are funny. Ha ha. <laughs> it's mm. terrible. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. there was this, this period in the 70s where it was like, if. There was some sort of like trying to, I don't know, like reclaim it or put it on front street that would somehow make it okay. And like the, you know, they had the jokes coming from the black guy. So like somehow that, that made it all right. Even though we know the joke was written by a white guy. Right. (laughs) They're like, there goes Sam Spade. Oh, he doesn't look black to me. Yeah. Like part of the reason Blazing Saddles works, you know, is, is because you know, it's co-written by Richard Pryor. And so, sure. you, right. you know, even if Richard Pryor didn't write this specific joke, he was in the room and and that it, it, it he, you know, there's at least a, a black comedy writer who is signing off on it. Presumably. Yeah, at least to pass on the script. You know, right. That he you was know, part of it. Absolutely. But these these jokes are not. First of all, they're horrible. But second of all, yeah, they're the script as a whole is not anywhere near the level of uh if you're trying to make a commentary or yeah. a satire on this type of stuff like it's not smart or clever it's just no. straight up bad it's it's these it, are just racist is. jokes this feels like a parody that's what i'm saying the, yeah. the, the comedy yeah. in this movie the reason why i said satire as opposed to comedy is because when you hold a stretcher up and the guy falls through the stretcher when you let the car go and it rolls down the street and then later on in the movie it's still rolling down the street that's straight out of something like police like a uh, uh, naked gun naked or gun. Yeah. airplane yeah. those are satire jokes in a movie that isn't a isn't a quote-unquote satire so that's why it doesn't the tone of the movie is supposed to be comedy but then they do things that are um you know what i mean like not believable they're not realistic they're more cartoony yes yeah, which which plays perfect in a satire Right, because they're like the movie will get on a little little pe- period of time where yeah. it kind of starts to work, mm-hmm. and and then and then they will they'll do something like that. It's like they'll just put in a, a gag for the sake of a gag, yes. and in a movie like Airplane, and I, this movie predates you know the 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 Zaz movies, you know, but um, but in movies like that, it the whole point is that. There is no reality, and it's just a gag a minute, if not yeah. more, and 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 that's what you're there for. So, of course, you're just going to keep throwing things at the wall. But this movie, like, I really feel like like this movie's pretty well plotted out. Like, it's 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 got a a, a fairly decent mystery attached to it, and it's yeah. It, so I I that that's another reason why I feel like they got pretty deep into a pass on this movie trying to make. A, a legitimate follow-up to the Maltese Falcon in tone, and then it this was the only way they were going to get it made, you know? And and I will also say the 70s is a weird time because you, um, for movies like this, because, um, you know, baby boomers were kind of rediscovering film these mo- movies of this era, you know? And you started to see 
um, you started to see a lot of different movies in the 70s and early 80s that mined this territory, right? So you had... Uh, I mean, you mean going back to older ones? Like or? going back to the, the, the detective, hard-boiled detective type of story. You. I mean, you know, obviously you get a very good grounded in reality version of it with Chinatown, which is 74, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But before that, you had um, Woody Allen's Play It Again, Sam, which um, where he plays a film buff who's obsessed with Humphrey Bogart and he's visited by the ghost by kind of like his imaginary version of Humphrey Bogart who gives him dating advice. And I know Woody Allen is problematic, uh, but (laughs) it's a it's a very funny movie and it's based on a Broadway play. He wrote the play and the play debuted in 69 it was turned into a film that he starred in but did not direct in 72 but it's i mean it's a really funny movie especially if you're a film buff because you get you know humphrey bogart giving dating advice and that's actually kevin you'll like this that humphrey bogart giving advice or an imaginary humphrey bogart giving advice to uh to woody allen in that movie does that sound familiar to you at all it's not ringing a bell but i'm sure it will uh that or that device i should say that that de- does that device oh, sound like true romance? It's where Quentin Tarantino got it from. The yeah, Elvis, Elvis talking to Christian uh, Slater. Yeah, yeah. That's the he. I mean, he says flat out he he lifted that idea from Thank played you. again. Oh, that's him. great. So, yeah, no. As soon yeah. as you said that, I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, so in the 70s, you got uh, you had Richard or uh, Robert Mitchum playing Philip Marlowe in a remake of and Farewell, My Lovely, and a remake of The Big Sleep. Um, and then you had a Robert Altman movie, Philip Marlowe movie, The Long Goodbye. And then you had these like kind of zany parodies that um, written by Neil Simon that w- were actually produced by this guy, Ray Stark. So um, oh. the Murder by Death and Cheap Detective, yeah. the two Peter Falk, uh, like, you know, kind of precursors to Clue kind of movies. Um, sure. You know, and I mean, one, he's he's doing a Bogart parody flat out in one of them. And uh, murder by death, he is. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, you had a lot of that stuff. But I think that where this movie really fails, aside from the terrible script, is that it is a sequel to the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. So on its own, if they were to make a straight up satire, and I love satire movies, I love those Zucker Abrams and and all that stuff we mentioned, Loaded Weapon Part One. I am a sucker for those movies. Absolutely love them. But I don't want the sequel to the Maltese Falcon to be that. Absolutely. They cashed in on the name, but they did something terrible with it. And then to add insult to injury, they didn't make a satire. They made a comedy with random (laughs) satire gags in it. So clearly I'm with Tom. It looks like the movie was written as a sequel. They couldn't get it made. Then they're like, well, we can do a zany comedy. Then they're like, or we can do a comedy. And they're like, oh, this isn't funny enough. Let's put gags in it. And it just turned into this monster where it, it is this Frankenstein's monster of different elements, noir comedy satire, and it ultimately doesn't serve its predecessor properly. It's it's only tarnishing the good name of the Maltese Falcon, and uh, they should have just left that the property alone if they were going to do something like this. Yeah, I do wonder I, if this somehow in, if this somehow inspired. Uh, those other movies because if you look at it this comes out in 75 and then in 76 Ray Stark produces Murder by Death and then in 78 they do The Cheap Detective and so 
it really makes you wonder if he saw this and was like, <laughs> like there's something here. He we was just on to something. Yeah. Right. We just didn't do it right. They didn't so, do it right. So no. what if we had Neil Simon write it instead? <laughs> right. So so this one starts off. You get your introduction. Uh, Sam Spade Sr. has died and Junior has inherited the detective agency. Uh, and, uh, you know, they keep harkening back like with all the black jokes. And then he's like, you know, I'm carrying on on my father's legacy of serving minorities. Like, when was that? When was that thing. ever a I thing? I know. Like, there, there's, <laughs> Why not did one, they? there's not one black person in the Maltese. No. <laughs> it's like, put it in there like it's like, oh, yeah, that good old, I remember Humphrey Bogart serving minorities. Like yeah. the white woman he helps and the white guy he say, helps. The, and the, 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 one, the one black character in the Maltese Falcon was the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that was it. There are touche. There are no other black characters in that movie. But things ramp up when the fat man has died outside of his office. It's not the fat man. It's not. Is it was his name was Casper? Well, it's Gutman, right? It it is Gutman, but they call him Casper Gutman, and I don't think that did we that get was a first name? name? Maybe we didn't. Maybe we didn't get a first name in the in the first movie. Oh, I don't. I I thought it was, but maybe. I I so for a second I thought we were getting a. Um, I mean, who else would be after? I mean, like I I figured that's the connection. I thought we were getting a Sting Two situation where it's like I hear you, but I think that um they're setting up the connective tissue as far as characters because of course okay. Junior doesn't know okay. what the Maltese Falcon is, but then you've got Gutman who is um yeah uh yeah he's Casper Gutman. It, it is. I, I just okay. looked it up. He's Casper. Okay. The the problem the the confusion Joe's running into is the original movie they spell it with a K and in the new movie they spell it with a C ah but it's I mean, still just, it's ah. still Casper though so I, I think, think that's that was, just laziness <laughs> I, yeah I think that was just yeah, right. a stupid mistake <laughs> they or, didn't have yeah. IMDb back then I did I th- I thought we were doing this thing too where it's like yeah these are kind of the same characters but not no, really the same characters just a bad movie but so that's the the connection where Casper Gutman is found outside and no one in the current day knows what's going on with this bird but his last thing that he says is that it's black and as long as your arm so we get more black jokes here which okay that joke made me laugh because like just his reaction was like well I'm out like I I, I thought that like his reaction to what sure. the guy said I thought was funny because George Siegel's funny I mean he's George Siegel is funny. And especially if you know his current work, it's like you know he's a funny guy, so it's hard not to apply your likability to the actor, but man. Yeah, he, he's got the comedic timing. Like the timing is there yeah. and the delivery is there and the way he's playing this character makes sense, mm-hmm. but it's just he is not he's the Henry Cavill of the Maltese Falcon <laughs> sequel, where he's just not he's not given anything decent to do. And he's he's doing the best that he can. Like let let me let's let's put that out there now. He's doing the best that he can with what he's got, but he ain't got much. And he goes up to his office, and it's filled with minorities because we, of course, we know his father was known for that. So not just minorities, but also a trans person. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like I, when <laughs> when they get to that character, I'm like, what are we, what are we doing <laughs> in this this whole scene in 1975? I guess they thought that was a funny gag to have a huge black guy dressed in in drag. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I, man. Yeah, and then that's never that's never played up no, again. No, it's a gag. Like it's, after, it's, after, yeah, he it's, walks like walks into him, and I was like, oh, he's down there looking for something. No, 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 nope. no, no, <laughs> no, not at all. It's a, it's a one and done joke. It's like they punched up a movie that already shouldn't have been a comedy with gags. Like it's, yeah, right, right. <laughs> he is approached by the not who no, I would say not Abe Vigoda, not. Uh, Who's the guy that's the cab driver in Escape from New York? Ernest Borgnine. Oh, yeah. By not Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, and he, who works, who I assume he works for Gutman, right? I, I believe so. I believe or does he worked for the other guy. I took it as that he was hired. Well, he was hired. He doesn't know who hired him, but he was hired to make sure that the Maltese Falcon is sold to the old guy in the cape. Right. Okay. But he doesn't know who hired him. This actor, the not Ernest Borgnine, uh, he, uh, if anybody knows him, he's probably best known as uh, he was the uh, the chauffeur on the Robert Wagner TV show Heart to Heart. Oh. He played Max on Heart nope. to Heart. Like, but I will also say Dan. this guy <laughs> is a is a GD legend. He uh um he was a a very successful character actor and he had ta- he was but he's also politically a communist and he was blacklisted in Hollywood and didn't work for a major film studio for like 20 years and and the f- the fact that he's working at all is, is <laughs> Says a lot. But I guess like, you take what you can take what you can get at this point. But well, he's also a character actor, so that's kind of part sure, and parcel. Sure. Take what you can get. But his name's Lionel Standard Stander, and like for real, go read his Wikipedia page because for a character actor, it goes on and on, and it's all about what he had to contend with. And he basically like w- sat in front of the House on American Activities Committee and was like, "Yeah, you can go f yourself." Like he <laughs> he took no amount of grief from them. Did not care. He's like not. I mean, he sat there and like they. Had have some quotes from him on his wikipedia page and like he sits there and just flat out insults them uh to, while he's testifying it's like that's so good yeah it's it's crazy i mean it's like ballsy yeah well he has 133 credits on imdb and he was the voice of cup in transformers the movie so he is a legend oh really yeah. yeah you win that's it <laughs> cup is i believe Gord, the, I... cup is the old uh robot that's like yes. when daniel and bumblebee stumble upon the you know the old robot that's cup so yeah yes you're right uh his name is gordon in immerman and he kind of becomes uh, Sam Spade Jr.'s de facto partner. He's like his apprentice. Though... Like he he was hired <laughs> to to look after him and make sure the bird goes to the old guy that wants it. But then he like wants to become part of the agency. His partner. He... I love I love the line where he's like, "Who hired you? I don't know. What are you looking for? I have no idea." It's like, "Well, you're off to a great start." Yeah. <laughs> I, I do <laughs> think he's fantastic. the best part of this movie. Yeah, he's a great he's a great uh, like lift like let me up kind of yeah. guy where he's. Drops in a little comic relief. Like, he's yeah. so good um, that he makes the terrible script actually watchable yes. during his scenes. Yeah, he's like, I'll be your heavy. And the, and uh, George Spade, or George Spade, Sam Spade's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want any of that. Um, So, yeah, so he, he, I guess he meets so the old this guy, femme fatale, right? Well, the old guy comes in and he says, I want this Falcon. And he gives him, what does he give him, a hundred? 200 bucks for his time or 50 bucks for his time something or like something like that yeah or 200 bucks uh and so he's like i'll give you this money just to listen to me and he says there's this bird and it's i really want it and it wouldn't be of any like he's downplaying it it wouldn't be of any use to anybody it was just a replica but we want to cast another replica based on it blah 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 and then sam spade jr the one thing i do like about the character is that the traits aside from the ones that were fake and made up for this movie it carry over is like how he'll do anything for money. So where he's like, yeah, I'll listen to you for 50 bucks. And then he's like, okay, I'll go look for the, this Falcon through my dad's old stuff for 25. And the guy's like, I just right. paid you 50. And he's like, yeah, that was to listen to you, to give you my undivided attention, <laughs> 25 to look through right. the old man's stuff. So he he's like, carries on that tradition. And that's a character trait where 
Sam Spade was always like, yeah, you know, how about a hundred? How about a 200? You know, always trying to like right. bilk them for a little bit more money and, uh, or milk them really, but he wasn't really bilking anyone. <laughs> I also think it's funny throughout this movie as they offer him money for the, for the bird, yeah. like the dollar figures are less than they were Make offering no in the 40s. <laughs> yeah. Right. What? Well, yeah, it's really weird I'll give how you they, 25 bucks. Yeah. Um in 1975, it's like no. So he finds this thing. No, thank you. And it's I mean, uh the secretary had it stashed away, right? Right. So somehow Sam Sam senior got this replica back from the trial, I guess. He always had it. Didn't he didn't he give it to the cops? Did he give it to the cops at the end of the movie? He was holding it. I don't believe he ever gave it up. Oh, I guess you're right, because the cop does say, what is that? The stuff dreams are made of. Right. So what I thought was interesting rewatching the first one again was at the end you thought that he would have turned it in over evidence or whatever, but no, he holds on to it. I specifically okay. remembered that and thought, that's really strange that it's not, okay. <laughs> so we we talked about in the first one how kind, not convoluted, but like there's a lot of... This person's working for this person. This person's here. Intricate. Intricate, yeah. Yeah. This is the same way, but so poorly done that when we get to the femme fatale. Oh, God. She's working for a Nazi dwarf. Yeah. And he's working with the Hawaiians. When, they get, to, when they get to the Nazi dwarf, and I was like, yeah, let's, let's, why not? What on earth? Like- I could not believe the places this movie went, I guess, for laughs. Like, they're like, what's the what's the funniest thing that we could do? Okay, let's put a dwarf in, in Nazi uniform? Like, <laughs> Nazi I, regalia. God, it's so... Like, we're not racist enough, but now we're going to throw a Nazi dwarf in. I think it goes back to the trans thing, which is like, it was just, to them, it was like, isn't it really funny? Ha, 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 a little person. Like... Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the dumbest form of comedy because there's no there's nothing smart about it there's nothing clever it is a gag and in a better movie gags work but in this movie that isn't trying to say anything it's not technically a satire no these gags are just like what are you doing it's it's cheap comedy cheap laughs yeah and it doesn't work like i will say it 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 made me pop only because i was like what what is happening (laughs) like when right when the reveal happens it's not it's not like it's not a laugh because it's funny, it's it's a laugh out of like, what are we? What ha- what is happening? Right, like, right. I, it's I, just I cannot so, believe that I cannot believe this is happening right now. So this actor so though, just, the f- just real quick, this actor who yeah. who plays the Nazi, uh, he, yeah, he plays. If you're gonna tell me he was an Oompa Loompa, he was no, an Ewok. He was, he was, was an he Ewok. He was an Ewok, and he was a penguin in Batman Returns, and uh, and <laughs> he also played cousin It. <laughs> oh wow he played cousin it on the editor yeah if you see the guy's headshot you know this actor he wasn't a lot of stuff yeah and he wasn't he wasn't uh from the lollipop guild i don't think so but you didn't recognize him as cousin it because his hair was grown out back then <laughs> yeah right yeah right <laughs> and he for sure wasn't in in uh wizard of oz because he would have been two years old when it came out <laughs> oh all right that makes sense yeah yeah so he pawns the bird to protect it right for 12 bucks Fourteen ninety nine. Well, that's what he comes back and has to pay for it. Oh no, you're right because he has no fourteen. It's seventeen. Yeah, yeah right, right. Um, I so specifically goes, remember I, the number because I'm like, why would you get fourteen nine? Like, I didn't know he was protecting yet. I thought he was just like, yeah, these people are full of it. Give me fifteen dollars. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? But I mean, to their credit, he was putting it somewhere like they're not going to know that he pawned it. So it was pretty clever. Yeah, it's it's a good move. Like uh, you know, while he figures out what's going and, on, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's approached by this femme fatale who has never 
acted a day. Oh my god, she is so like, bad. There are there are two moments in this movie when he gets to the gal with the uh like that he pushes down the elevator shaft. Her, yeah. yeah. I could not. No. I, oh, what? okay. Go ahead. I was talking about the other gal that at the at the. No, those are two different gals. Oh, I thought the first one he meets is. The... So there's the gal in the elevator, the blonde at the elevator shaft, and then you get to the the Russian gal later. Oh yeah, I'm talking about the one in the elevator. Sorry, I thought she was atrocious. Her level of quote unquote acting, like that, is someone's <laughs> girlfriend, mistress, daughter. Like I- I'm telling you, what that was jaw droppingly bad. <laughs> her performance she was banging someone because she couldn't act herself out of a paper bag yeah i was going back and watching some of the special features on superman the movie and they have a lot of screen tests of actors who tried out for the role and they were donner was like we couldn't find anybody like it got to the point where like i auditioned my wife's dentist and there's a whole there's a whole like five you know i don't like three minute scene of him this guy who's the dentist, it's like, wow, wow. I just have we a feeling kind of, this is this is someone pretty that wanted to get into the movies. Yeah. I mean, she, well, is, she got into a movie. She is horrible. Like, she does have some TV credits. Uh, I believe her name is Connie Kresge. The decoy girl is how she's credited. I have to think that's her. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. It was awful. It's it's the worst acting in this movie, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, and then, yeah, it's, that's, that's a pretty high bar for this movie. <laughs> Sorry, back to the um, Russian uh Anna Kemedov. Yes. Yes. So she she also enlists this so it's it's basically the same premise where yes. he's getting he's getting drafted or enlisted uh hired by like a bunch of different people to find this one thing um But the running gag is that she drugs him so she doesn't have to have sex with him and then <laughs> moves she doesn't him into to, bed. doesn't have to sleep with him. So yeah, right, they right, do right. the gag twice where it's like every at nighttime she keeps drugging him and he wakes up and she's like putting his arm over her and like positioning it. Yeah. How was your night? Was it was it I like that I like that first one where she's like, Was it good for you? And he's like, Uh No. I mean it was fine, I yeah. guess. <laughs> And it's she's like, like I'm new at this. I don't know. And he's like, I, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a not. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. Um, so this. So she that, knows. Like this, she. She knows what's going on though. So she's our like. She's the person that like tells him like you're in danger. The Hawaiians are gonna come after you, and they're right. they're gonna try to steal this thing. Like this thing's worth more than anyone's letting on. So she's the person in the know that gives him all this info. And we later on find out that she's working with the Nazi guy. So, uh, but she just plays it up as like this mysterious person that that serves him all this information. And and he and of course. Sam is is digging on her and I do like uh so he's working so while all of this is going on he's also being chased down by a bunch of Hawaiians yeah like this Hawaiian guess sure okay why not I've never seen a Hawaiian gang in a movie before <laughs> uh no and you never no and never no, again. Like, got, it's not a thing. The, clo- the closest we got was the Samoan family and Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Don't you insult like, the Samoan family? Yeah, I won't. I will never do that. That they, I, I, they're, they're, they're tough individuals. Yeah. He gets attacked by this by, by the Hawaiian. oh before she meets him the reason he goes to the hotel is because the guy in the elevator that they have a really weird back and forth uh, gives oh, him a, yeah, that's gives right. him a that's message right. to go meet the dude at the hotel and this like third party here's a new character he's like i will give you 1500 for the falcon and the old guy with the cape was only going to give him like 350 that he agreed to over the phone so now he's got people well, it's s- wilmer 
this guy that he sees, this is Wilmer from the first movie. So he knows what it is, and that's why he's like, I'll give you 1500 for the Falcon. Right. <laughs> and that's when the girl comes along and is like, hey, you're in danger. This is, don't take this. This thing's worth millions. And then we just forget about Wilmer. Poor Wilmer never gets any credit at all. It's, it's like just, he just a kinda, cameo. He, he, dips, he dips out at the end of the first one, then he shows up back here. I want to yeah. know what happened to Wilmer between the time yeah. where he, he bounced and to now. And that's, that's, you, they give me that movie. It. That's the third movie. Look what happens to Wilmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Wil, Wilmer's story. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So he meets, and then, of course, she's some. this woman is living in the basement of a church. I guess. She's like a philanthropist, and she's like, I want you to sell the Falcon and give the money to orphans. <laughs> he like, was like, okay. <laughs> it's so weird. Sure, it's like, why okay. not? Whatever. And that's, yeah, and then uh, she drugs him. He wakes up in the morning. He's like, I got to stop drinking. Yeah, which I thought was a good line. Like, I liked that line, Give you know, because he has no clue what's happening. This movie, so the next morning when he goes out to walk around the city, this movie is a literal garbage fire. <laughs> you have to believe that was on purpose right like they knew they were making a garbage fire of a I, so movie? At, i don't at think first, so I, at first i thought the accident that happens in the background of this exact like the scene like right before this there's a car accident in was the just background. happening and i was like yeah that's real like they just didn't cut like I just love that car accident in and then the dumpster catches on fire and i was like Mm, that's a little long. I just had that. But, my, I thought right. that was so fitting that this movie's a literal garbage fire. That's in my notes. <laughs> so yeah, so he meets. Uh, this is where the he goes back to the office, and the Hawaiian gang is there, and mm-hmm. they jump him. And this is where we're introduced to the 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 small person Nazi, uh, Litvak, and Litvak. Litvak. Played, the actor is Felix Silla, still alive, by the way. Oh wow, is he really? Yeah, he's got a website. You can buy an autographed picture if you want. Nice. Maybe I will. Yeah. I'll buy one we'll and have we'll, him sign we'll, one of, from this movie. Do you think he'll we do need, that? Like, for real, we need to find like a still and hang it on the walls in the studio whenever we're allowed to go back into the studio, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah. so And, and basically, the, this movie, this is where it breaks down. Like It's been breaking down the entire time, but this is where it really breaks down. Oh, go on. A meme of Gene Wilder. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he they go to the hotel. They find the guy in the cape and the hat, and he's dead in his room, but there's no explanation as to why. And uh, this is where they find another clue. They, they find something. Well, oh, I think the, this is where, I think this is out of order. But the, when he's been captured by the Nazi, that's when Sam saves the Emmerman saves him in the wetsuit and all that. Right. Oh, my God. It's so great. So, I, that, that was that. That was funny. I liked him in the wetsuit. It was ridiculous. Jump forward. So Litvak has him captured because the Hawaiians took them to him. He does his whole right. crazy Nazi German thing. Uh, and then is the girl there and she speaks German? Is that the same part? They, no, they show they show up at like he. So he does have flashes of being a good detective. So he takes like he finds that rolled up piece of paper and he takes that to like the gal that can decipher it. Mm-hmm. And they figure out that like they were when uh, Gutman was dying, the old the fat guy, the fat man. Yeah, he was just des- he wasn't describing it as it's black and as long as your arm. He was describing like the height and weight of this thing. So now. The theory is that this replica that they think is a fake of the Maltese Falcon is actually the real Falcon, which is absolutely th- ludicrous. After it that, is absolutely ludicrous. Movie, you're telling me that <laughs> Casper Gutman, the fat man who's been searching for this thing, went all around the world, found it, did not know how to determine it was the real thing, and it's the real thing. That is absurd to base a movie on. This. A- absolutely, like, absolutely. No. I mean, we've right. already been out, but no. <laughs> 
Right. This I was getting some uncut gem vibes right here only because he now he has to go to like each individual person and say, I'll get it for you. I'll get it. For, and he has to go back to the pawn shop and pay the pay the pawn shop an extra two bucks. Yeah, that's just like because uh, the VIG, right? Right. Well, he's just like, you want it back? Oh, you give me two more dollars. Yeah. But you're right. There's no consistency in payments for anything. No. Like his old man's making more money in the first movie and it's 30 years ago. Well, and I think they're really trying to hammer home through the ridiculousness of the the, the fees. It's like a dying business. He acts like, oh, I've inherited this detective agency, this failing business, and I've got to do whatever I can just to pay the bills. It's like, dude, why? Just quit. Why? Why are you? Yeah. What, you, don't, doesn't... you don't want to be a detective yeah, anyway. He doesn't. Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy. He hates everything about it. But, uh, you know, he's so and he enlists the help of some museum historian or something doesn't he yeah that gal that she's like a uh like a translator yeah. like she can translate other languages so whatever it's not even important but it's so important so he all. gets rescued from the the nazi ship um yes uh immerman in the wetsuit which is just hilarious this big guy walking around like stealthily his gut hanging out like yeah. not hanging out but like and, a wetsuit isn't flattering and he <laughs> rescues sam by punching him into the ocean <laughs> Right. He literally saves him. He's in his underwear, and he's like, "I've got a good thing going on here." For whatever reason, he like wants to stay there. Uh, right. And then, and then, and then, Emmerman punches him. Like and just carries him over his shoulder. It's and yeah. throw, you know, no, he right. punches him into the water. Though. Oh, that's right, that's right. Like, and they're riding, they're they're riding like a bat cycle, and he's just got like a blanket <laughs> on while they're riding back. Um. Yeah. So they they get back into. He goes and he he gets the the Falcon back. He gets downstairs to this church and he's talking to everybody. The Nazis break in. The Nazi slash Hawaiian gang break in. There's a there's a big fight. They the, the the Nazi makes a comment. Remember when he ends up in jail with all the black guys? Yeah, that was another really prob- problematic scene. Oh yeah, he walks away from the elevator because that girl that tried to kill him and attack him falls through the elevator, and they find her and they're like, "Oh yeah, we don't need to report this to the police. We'll be fine." Right. And then they cut to him in jail. Yes, it's like, <laughs> well, all right. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, but but like he goes through and do, they try to give him something to do as a detective. And before the bad guys show up, like he's like using a scale, like the scales of justice, like that type. Because it scale. should weigh a certain amount, and it doesn't. and he's like weighing all this stuff, and and you know, like he's like, oh, the length and the weight, and he removes something, and he's like, oh, but the coding would weigh extra, and blah blah. It's blah. very it's lame, like, no. very lame. But I think it's also more proof that this was at some point a more serious movie because you wouldn't sure. even could have been. It could have been. You wouldn't have even write a scene like that for the kind of movie they ended up. Making. No, like you're like who cares? Like you're not being clever in this movie. Right. Like, <laughs> um, but they bust through. The, they bust the Nazi... through. The 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 small Nazi makes a comment about Anna's boobs. Oh my! Oh, oh, oh wait, wait, wait! I will give you the quote. Yeah, I wasn't going to say down. what he said, but <laughs> he he shows up. The Nazi dwarf shows up, and he's at the top of the staircase, and he's speaking German. And Sam's like, "What?" And then and the then she Russian starts lady German. starts speaking German, and he goes, "Is there another woman on earth who possesses the perfect blend of brilliant mind and big tits?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what oh are we God. doing here? Uh, and then I'm he not going to lie. Up. There was moment where she, there was a moment where she she was wearing a slip, and I was like, "Oh man." All right. Oh I yeah, but, but so he 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 picks up the falcon and starts dancing. Yes, he dances. And then has he has a massive dances. heart attack. He dances on the table. He dances on an ottoman. He's that, like doing that a dude shuffle. Could move, but what the? I don't know. <laughs> what the hell are we? He looked like he was in something like Wizard of Oz as a Munchkin. Like what yeah. are we doing here? <laughs> 
So he dies. He has yeah. a heart attack because he's too excited. Uh, and Anna wraps him up in a rug. They wrap up uh, the Falcon <laughs> in a rug. And Anna acts. They go back to the office. They unwrap. They're super well, excited they because on, they realize they count on Emmerman to bring the Falcon. Right. And they realize, like, at one point he's like, oh, I was right for whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So they, the Falcon is real. Like, this Maltese Falcon is real. So they yeah, go to sure. unwrap this thing real quick and out drops the Nazi. And they're <laughs> like, they oh, no. One. Because they threw the other one into the, into the drink. Right. So now the Falcon is at the bottom of the ocean, like the yeah. heart of the ocean. And they have to, and he puts on a giant, like, men of honor uh diving suit like Jacques just like Cousteau, where are you going where are you going that you need a suit this big he goes down uh he being sam jr goes down in the water he picks Almost it up has it and then he gets attacked by a shark and a shark a shark picks up the falcon and floats away it. the end yeah. well you you also what? get the- <laughs> you you also get the musical moment of not the theme from jaws Right. <laughs> which, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which is but, also like is really funny because uh, Jaws had come out like six months prior. So, you know, that they had to go and like re-edit that scene so they could insert the music cue for the shark. Right. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because I, I Googled it because I was like, wait, when did this come out? And it was <laughs> it came, it, and Jaws came out in the summer and this came out in December. That's hilarious. This has, but this has to be one of the worst movie endings of all time. Yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> the yeah. gag of like, oh, we've got it, and a shark takes it away. And the, <laughs> and they play this like zany music, like bum bum bum, we've been foiled. Yeah. They play the, the they they play the sound that uh like when you do press your luck and you get a whammy. Right, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Sad trombone. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. Like, Man, this was terrible. This, this was awful, and I uh, like Yes, it was better than look what happened to Rosemary's baby. I'll give you that. But we're, that's a very <laughs> low bar. Small. Yeah, that's yeah. a very low bar set. This is an insult and a travesty compared to the classic film, yeah. which is the Maltese Falcon, one of the great films and uh, one of the uh, archetypes for for uh, noirs. And uh, yeah, this was this it's, was awful. It's it was shocking terrible. that it they was, let uh, it was, get. It's shocking that they let it get made, especially because Ray Stark uh, the producer is was like really good friends with john houston he produced five of his films and you would think that that cooler heads would have prevailed but well john houston's name is nowhere on this movie. no let's just put it that way nor should it there's, be there's a, there's a reason <laughs> yeah so uh so anyway i guess uh that's it for this one let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them this is joe you can follow me on the twitter at joy butts b-u-t-t-s 21 this is kevin follow me on twitter at kevin r bracket and this is tom you can follow me on twitter at roger kubert or on facebook at facebook.com slash tom o'keefe find the show online facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there like the page join the group and of course check out our patreon at patreon.com slash real spoilers so uh that's it for this one next week uh we will continue our dive into misbegotten sequels and the films next that week is tenant and the films that spawn yeah. them <laughs> so uh so anyway that's it for this one thanks for tuning in and until next time wang reveals there was no murder you have something which belongs to me oh really what could that be the blackbird how'd it get to be yours all of a sudden it is mine because i deserve it mm. mine because i have killed for it and will kill again for it it is mine because I have the means, the determination, and most of all, the power to have it. It is mine because I want it. Look, if it's yours, what do you need with me? 
because i don't have it. you do.